Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and a loaded wide receiver group make the Cowboys one of the most exciting teams in the fantasy football world. Another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic, a Friday edition of Fantasy Football in 15. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined by my co-host, Derek Van Riper. DVR, weekend's here. What's going on, man? Excited for the weekend and excited to talk Cowboys. This should be one of the league's highest flying offenses this year, so plenty of fantasy goodness up and down this roster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, sort of a surprise that this team, with all the numbers they put up last year, went just eight and eight, missed out on making the playoffs. Hey, maybe that part of it will happen again. But as you said, this should be a high-flying, fun team to watch in general. Certainly, a team that is going to be lucrative in the fantasy world as well. To talk Cowboys, we bring on our Cowboys beat writer, John Machoda. John, how's it going? It's going well, man. It's. Uh... It's good to talk about some actual football. Uh, hopefully, you know, with baseball starting back up here, uh, everything will stay on track and guys will stay healthy and we can have a football season and people can play fantasy football and take their mind away from other things. Yeah, we are definitely hoping for that. It's been like pulling teeth to talk about some of this stuff at times. So hopefully we are starting to round the corner and be able to talk about these things the way that we like to, the way that's fun, the way that we're used to doing. And again, fun is the operative word in the fantasy world with this Cowboys team. The big change happened, of course, at the top after nine years as the head coach. Jason Garrett is gone, still in the division as the offensive coordinator with the New York Giants in is Mike McCarthy. Kellen Moore still on staff as the offensive coordinator, but McCarthy, of course, an offensive first coach. We know that from his years in Green Bay, and we know that even with Moore on staff, McCarthy is going to influence the offense. So what sort of stamp should we expect him to put on it? <laughs> that's a great question. That's a lot. That's big thing that we're talking about here is just the fact that not having regular offseason with OTAs and minicamp. I mean, when you have a new head coach, the way the league sets it up, you generally get more time to practice with your team. And because of COVID-19, there hasn't been any of that. So they're doing the same Zoom conference calls and things like that that all the other teams are doing. They're not really getting, um, you know, kind of that a uh, little bit of a step ahead of anybody else. And so because of that, it's, it's tough to say at this point. Um, and it all depends on what they're able to do at training camp. I mean, we there's so much uncertainty about what is even going to go on at training camp are they going to just have the offense work on its own are they going to have to have small groups work together is it going to be like a typical training camp where offense goes against defense how much of the offense are they able to implement I mean there's just there's a lot of question marks there still to, to be figured out and so for me I kind of feel like because it's such a you know odd off season that they're going to probably have to it's going to have to be more of Mike McCarthy leaning on what they did last year I mean if you're going to bring in a guy like Kellen Moore and kind of build on what you've done before I think what's going to end up happening is that they're going to have to, you know, lean on a lot of stuff they did last year, in incorporate some new things, and then kind of build on that offense and what Mike McCarthy wants to do as kind of the season goes along. Because I just don't know how much an opportunity there's going to be before the season starts. I mean, I can't even tell you if there's going to be a full slate of preseason games. There's just there's so much uncertainty right now. If there was a normal off season, you know, I would say, you know, by this point we'd have OTAs and minicamps, things like that. We'd get a little bit better of a feel. But like when you got a, a key weapon like C.D. Lamb, who you've drafted, but he's never—he's not even up to this point had a chance to even work out with Dak Prescott or anybody else on the offense. It just—it's hard to sit there and, and really 
uh, project a, like a, a serious amount of changes in this in this new regime of a, a new offense with a new offensive minded head coach. I just I don't know how that happens right away. I think it gradually has to kind of evolve into that. And then even from the perspective of what he was doing in Green Bay, like you can't just sit there and say that I'm going to do the same stuff I did with Aaron Rodgers with Dak Prescott. It just you can't just simply bring that stuff over there. And then the other thing is that. He didn't have a running back when he was in Green Bay that was like Ezekiel Elliott. And you're not going to be, come to a team with this offensive line and a running back like Ezekiel Elliott and say, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have him, and we'll give it to him 10, 15 times, but our identity is going to be throwing the ball. I mean, you're still going to run the ball a lot because of the personnel you have. Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is that, you know, without those workouts, being kind of forced to keep things similar to last year is probably a good thing for Dak Prescott in the short term because he's coming off the best season of his career. 4,900 yards through the air last year, 30 passing touchdowns, 8.2 YPA. I mean, all career highs. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb. They have another great weapon with his addition, but 596 attempts. I mean, that could be hard for Dak to reach again, but the per-pass numbers with these weapons, are those sustainable, or is there even another level that Dak could still eventually reach? No, there could be another level. I, I think it's still, it depends on what they're able to kind of implement and, and the changes they're able to make. Because, like I said, if you had a full offseason, a CD Lamb got in there, and, and uh, you know, you kind of see where he's going to be used and in different ways and things like that you kind of project then maybe you could build a little something off that. But as of right now, you kind of know about the rapport that Dak has with Michael Gallup and with Amari Cooper and even with Blake Jarwin. I mean, they've had some good games together, and now Blake Jarwin steps into that number one tight end role with Jason Witten being gone, and, and he's a very good pass catcher. Um, you know, obviously he's not he doesn't have the stability and, and the longevity of that 11-time Pro Bowl career that Jason Witten has, so let's not overstate this, but like, He's going to be a guy that's going to make some things happen after the catch that you might not have seen with Jason Witten over the last you know five six years, and so there's going to be a little bit of variety there. But to me, I, I feel like you I feel like you can see similar numbers from Amari Cooper, similar numbers from Michael Gallup. It's really going to be about C.D. Lamb stepping into that Randall Cobb role, and I think they're going to use him on some jet sweeps. They're going to use him in a variety of ways in the slot on the outside. And, and really, his yards after catch are, are what really stood out to me when I watched him in college, and so. You just see what he could do potentially taking an underneath throw and turning a five-yard gain into a 25-, 30-, 40-yard gain. That's all the intriguing things to me that could make this an even more explosive offense than it was in previous years. So um, I think that they were, even before drafting C.D. Lamb, I thought with what they had coming back, they'd still be one of the better offenses in the league. But with C.D. Lamb and then also the unpredictability, you know, having a new head coach in there, not having the same, you know, which under Jason Garrett, there's a lot of, things and, and tendencies that you other teams could get used to that you're not going to have that with this team and so there's just a lot of a lot of uncertainty that kind of makes it really exciting that you're going to be seeing something different this year yeah we'll talk about all the pass catchers individually but uh, I want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott first it's remarkable what this guy's been able to do in his NFL career as I was putting together a rundown for this show I learned that he every year of his career up until last year led the league in rushing yards per game, which is a, a pretty remarkable run for a guy over the first three years of his career. Finally, the fourth year that didn't happen, but still pretty darn good season. 1,357 yards on the ground, 420 as a receiver, 14 touchdowns, uh, touched the ball more than 350 times. We know how key he is to this offense, but with all those other weapons, can he get himself another 350-plus touch season? <laughs> that I mean, that's a great question because if you tell me Jason Garrett's the head coach, I'm like, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's Jason <laughs> Garrett wanted that to be identity. You know, he sat there. 
on those Cowboys teams of the 90s with that stacked offensive line and Emmett Smith and they ran the ball and and that was their identity although obviously they had Hall of Famers and Troy Eggman and Michael Irvin and they were just loaded all over the place but that was their main identity and that's what Jason Garrett wanted to be when you know he had so many draft picks in a row first round picks spent on the offensive line and then obviously Ezekiel at fourth overall and so um if I was projecting right now, I'd, I'd have to believe that Ezekiel Elliott's numbers are going to come down a little bit in terms of the running game. Maybe he takes on even more of a role in a passing game, but I just I don't know that Mike McCarthy is going to be establishing the run quite as much as they had done in the past. Now, of course, the games dictate that. You know, if they have leads in the second half, I think he'll definitely lean on the run. But not knowing what they're going to have on defense, I mean. <laughs> Again, these are just wild projections at this point because we haven't seen much at all about how different the defense is going to be without seeing any practices yet and them not being able to practice. So my projection right now is that they're going to be giving up some points. They're going to play a little bit more aggressive uh, on the back end on defense, which I think is going to allow teams to have big plays against the Cowboys. But then I also think that the Cowboys and offense are going to be able to match those big plays with big plays of their own. And I just think... These, the Cowboys are going to be in a lot of exciting, high-scoring games this upcoming season. And because of that, I don't know that it, it lends itself to a lot of running with Ezekiel Elliott. You know, if, if like I said, if Jason Garrett was still here, I'd say, yeah, keep penciling him in for those numbers. But there's just a lot of uh, uh, things that I see changing with a, with a new coaching staff that makes me kind of cautiously optimistic, I would say, about him continuing to, to get the same amount of carries. I, I don't think it'll go down significantly, but I think at the end of the year— I think his numbers come down a little bit in terms of carries per game. You know, one really quick follow-up question. Do you think if the carries come down that maybe the receptions can tick back up to where they were in 2018? We saw Zeke catch 77 passes in just 15 games uh, in 2018. I mean, if you give up 20 to 30 carries, but you make up for it with 20 or 30 receptions, you're probably going to get a little more in terms of yardage. And in PPR leagues, that's that's pretty nice in terms of getting a, a points boost every week. Yeah, for sure. I you know I don't know if it'll get back to what it was then, um, but I could see him you know maybe it raising a little bit. The the other thing that has to be factored in here is that you know I, I do expect more of a role for Tony Pollard, a guy that is is a good receiver as well out of the backfield and also can line up and in the slot and play some receiver like he did in college. And so I I don't I just don't I wouldn't want to forget about him either. I, I think there's going to be a lot of variety in this offense. I don't I, I mean. As I look at it right now, I think that's what they want. I don't think they want this to necessarily be one of those where, you know, you are like the 90s Cowboys where you're like, Michael Irvin's going to get the most receptions and and uh, Emmett Smith's going to lead the team in rushing. And then, you know, Jay, Jay Novacek will fit in somewhere and Alvin Harper will fit in. Like, there's a lot of, lot of moving pieces here that could have different roles than we've seen in years past just because, like I said, the variety of having that new coaching staff and wanting to mix things up and so they're even more unpredictable – um, I'm fascinated in, in to see what they do there because that's the thing. Kellen Moore w- was brought on to be offensive coordinator to kind of be more of this now up-to-date kind of what you see these college coaches coming into the NFL, bringing kind of the newer type of wrinkles and things like that. And so he was able to do that to a certain extent last year, but I don't think you bring him back unless you're trying to build on that. And so when I see that, I see more you know passes to your running backs. I see more bunch sets. I see more movement pre-snap and things like that to just keep teams on their heels. And because of that, um, I, it'll be interesting to see where it goes if everyone stays healthy. You know, um, uh, last year Amari Cooper was really banged up throughout the year, many different injuries that that factored into, you know, his overall production. Now that he's going to be back healthy, they're not going to have to lean on him as much. You know, I could see another big year out of him too. So it's like 
there's just there's a lot of different weapons there. I just don't necessarily know who's going to be the absolute guy that you know they're 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 hanging on in, in crunch time. That that's going to be the one that puts them over the top. Well, let's look at that. All these moving parts and all these guys who could lead the team from week to week through the lens of the top two wide receivers. As you said, strong years last year out of both Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Gallup really an ascending talent, not only in this offense, but in the league at large. With Cooper, the end of season numbers always look right. They look like what we expect, but in the fantasy world especially, and I'm sure in the Cowboys world also, talk about this week-to-week inconsistency from him. One week it's 10 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns. The next week it's four grabs for 40 yards. Gallup is a little bit more consistent last season. He did it on 113 targets. Cooper did it on 119. Is that the sort of relationship we should expect between these guys, again, coming into this season, a 1-1A where things can flip-flop? Or is there something where maybe they're trying to get more consistency out of Cooper? I guess basically what I'm asking is, what's that relationship between Cooper and Gallup for the Cowboys this season? Yeah, it's it's funny that you say a 1-1A one and one because I almost look at it, it could be like a 1-A, 1-A, 1-A with, with <laughs> C.D. Lamb too. And, and Amari Cooper allows that because he's just, I don't know, it's covering this team. I go from, you know, Des Bryant as being the number one receiver, and then you go about a year later to Amari Cooper, and they're both number one receivers, but their personalities are just so different. Like, you know, if Des wasn't getting the ball, you know, he would he would let guys know that, you know, like he, he demanded the ball. Like, you know, he wanted to make that play that, that changed the game. He wanted to be, you know, that guy. Whereas, like, Amari Cooper has talents similar to, like, at an elite level like Des Bryant in different ways. He's not obviously the jump ball type guy that, that Des Bryant was, the physical guy. But he does so many different things in his route running that it seems like he's almost always open. And, but the thing is, though, is he'll go an entire game with just kind of being like he's running his routes, and if he doesn't get the ball, he's just fine with that. Even after games and you talk to him in the, during the week, stuff like that, like he just, as long as they're winning, it really doesn't bother him, which is just, as you guys know, just so rare for a number one receiver to be that way. But because he's like that, it opens it opens the door for other guys like Michael Gallup to step up and have some of the big games that he's had. It, it opens up the door for a guy like CeeDee Lamb to come in there and maybe have a game where, a, a few games where he's their leading receiver and where... I just feel like on other teams with their number one receiver, they wouldn't be that happy about like some new guy coming in here, taking away their touches, kind of getting a similar workload and things like that. Whereas with Amari Cooper, it just I don't sense it bothering him very much. I mean, ultimately where he's at is he wants to win. And so if that means not getting as many targets as he did a previous game because of a matchup and, and things like that, it seems like he's fine with that. And I will say, though, Cowboys fans, especially – at the back end of last season, they were they were that bothered them because there were key plays in that Eagles game where he wasn't on the field, and and you just you look at the history of the Cowboys wide receiver position, and you're just like, I just don't see how Drew Pearson wouldn't be on the field right now. I don't see how Des Bryant wouldn't be on the field right now. I don't see why how Michael Irvin or Terrell Owens wouldn't be on the field right now. Why isn't our number one guy on the field right now? And so uh, there's definitely two sides to it. But at that to answer your question, I think because of his personality, the way he is. It opens it up to where every week you could have a different number one receiver. And then you've got Blake Jarwin, who you mentioned kind of in passing at tight end, got an extension this spring, getting some love in the fantasy community as a late round option at tight end. Given Cooper, Gallup, Lamb, and a high volume running back in Zeke, is Jarwin going to be one of those players who pops up and occasionally has the the big game, but week to week probably struggles to have a steady target floor? Yeah, I, I absolutely. That's what I think it was going to be like. It's going to be tough to project week week to week with this Cowboys team 
and, and all their positions in terms of the passing game and targets. Like, cause I just really think there could be some games where, you know, you see Blake Jarwin get, you know, seven, eight, nine balls thrown to him. And then another week where he might only get one or two and they are using CD lamb inside a little bit more thrown to Tony Pollard a little bit more Ezekiel Elliott and not tossing it to, to Jarwin as much as, you know, we've seen in, in previous, how much they've targeted, let's say Jason Witten. So, uh, a lot of variety when it comes to that too. It's interesting that they really, I mean, they added Blake Bell in the off season, but other than that, it's Blake Jarwin is their guy to step into that number one spot. And so um, it, it's very interesting. It shows you their, their faith in him a, as a pass catcher and what he can do to kind of spread the field. Cause he is, he's not going to be the blocker that Jason Witten was where Jason Witten was solid all the way around. He, his strength is his pass catching ability, be able to stretch the field and, and, and make plays that way. So um yeah, much like I, I feel like with the rest of that receiving core, I, I, it's going to be a week-to-week thing, and uh, I just don't see many weeks where guys are consistently back-to-back weeks putting up, you know, 10, 15 target games. I think it's going to kind of go with the game and, and the way uh, the defense plays them, and they're, they're going to kind of allow it to dictate it by that, which, hey, for fantasy football players, that sucks because it's hard <laughs> to project from week to week. You'd rather have a guy that's the number one on his team that, hey, I know – you know, the team might not win this week, but I know this guy's getting 15 targets. I, I just don't see that being the Cowboys this year. Hey, as uncertain as things might be for the pass catchers from week to week, one thing that is definitely looking true is that the Cowboys are going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the league and definitely not a bad team to invest in, no matter if it's Dak, Zeke, Cooper, Gallup, any of these guys looking like a fun team to be involved with. It's the Dallas Cowboys and our Cowboys beat writer, John Machoda. John, thanks for joining us today. No problem, guys. It was fun. Anytime. Uh, you can follow John on Twitter at John Machota. That's M-A-C-H-O-T-A and just J-O-N. And also check out About Them Cowboys, our Cowboys podcast with John and Kevin Turner. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper and John Machota, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you on Monday. Have a great weekend.